2: Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat Prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk-takers, movers, shakers, and history-makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 25th year, Founded hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, Transmitting from a hempcrete-fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warrant at an undisclosed location deep within the seething bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Present is the founder of the Human Solution International, Joe Grumbine. But first, allow me to penetrate the malleable membrane of your consciousness with an exclusive resin-drenched missive directly from the center of my mind, intended for yours, via your audio orifices. In every installment of Hemp Resent, I spend some minutes railing against cannabis prohibition and the United States Drug War. Guest after guest on this show has illuminated for you the rotting foundations upon which these possibly well-intended policies have been tragically built, and which are finally beginning to crumble, threatening to give way, and bring down the entire monstrosity of prohibition once and for all eventually. Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition recently said here on Hempresent that the drug war is about three things, money, power, and racism. Well, it sure ain't about stopping illegal drug use because Cole went on to say that in 1970 there were about 4 million Americans who had tried illegal drugs, pot included. Today there are around 121 million. So the $1.5 trillion that American taxpayers have invested in the prohibition scheme have so far been, well, squandered. That is, assuming that the idea was to prevent the production, use, or sale of illicit substances. The mainstream American media has been complicit in the domestic war crimes that prohibition has meted out to unfortunate Americans. And the media loves to tell the story of someone who's been arrested and charged with using or producing, selling, having, or buying an illegal substance. Usually cannabis, of course, statistically speaking. Yes, the media loves to tell the story right up until the time someone gets a conviction. Then the media coverage ends right there, at the conviction but that is when the real story about the drug war begins the story of what our fellow americans go through after they have been convicted of a drug crime if a person is lucky enough to net themselves a drug conviction including cannabis shazam they're now in the criminal justice system where the emphasis is not often on the justice but rather the system especially once you're convicted and especially once you're convicted of a drug felony and there could be a litany of monetary costs hiding in the judicial jungle ahead In addition to the shame, the humiliation, and the stigma associated with a drug conviction, there can be massive court-mandated fees and fines, along with requirements to pay for weekly alcohol and or drug classes, and the requirement to maintain housing and employment. Many people are required to submit to random drug testing. Some are required to pay for that as well. While it appears to be changing, for many years, those convicted of drug crimes were denied public housing, public assistance, and educational aid. And what the drug war shows us is that good people can commit terrible injustices when they believe that the policies they are enforcing are morally correct. People, some people even in uniforms, will abandon the truth in order to secure a conviction if they think that the end justifies the means. And who is standing by the people who find themselves in the cold clutches of the drug war's prohibitionist policies? That's the question everybody should be asking, and someone connected to that answer is with me here today. Joe Grumbine is the founder of the Human Solution International, a medical cannabis patient's rights and support group that employs the slogan, No Jail for a Plant. A grassroots network of concerned citizens focused on civil rights, the Human Solution International is a 501c3 nonprofit civil rights organization that can be found at info at thsintl.org. They're forming chapters around the world to support defendants by providing court and prison support and educating our communities. Joe is a medical cannabis provider operating in compliance with state law, but was prosecuted several times, exposing him to the harsh reality of the criminal justice system. He's been kind enough to take time out of his schedule to join me today. Welcome, Joe, to him present on Cannabis Radio.
3: Well, thank you very much for having me.
2: Joe, the Human Solution International implies by its name that there is a problem that needs to be solved. Is that problem that under prohibition our system has too much emphasis on justice and not enough on the system and not enough on the justice? What is the problem and what is the human solution to it in your mind? Well, the problem
3: is prohibition by its nature. Any time that man decides that he wants to take away the right of another man to possess or cultivate or make choices that don't affect somebody else, it's just plain wrong. And as you so eloquently pointed out, the uh, prohibition didn't come because of a moral problem. Prohibition became in, in, in it exists because of money, because of the need to control, and frankly, it doesn't work. Man doesn't do well when he's told he can't do something, especially when there is no victim around. So the prohibition of cannabis hasn't stopped cannabis. In fact, uh, cannabis probably would just be growing wild in, in places that it grew wild, but now it's been developed and cultivated and and brought its potential out, and we we understand it more. We do it better. It, it, it's a better plant today because of our interacting with it. So yeah, for, for, just in, in a weird
2: way, in a weird way, prohibition created our culture, the pot culture. It absolutely did, and
3: you know, thank goodness for the people that have the spirit of freedom and. And liberty, and you know what's right and wrong, rather than what the law says. So yeah, the problem is absolutely prohibition and everything that's connected to it. All the negative. There's nothing positive that comes from it, unless of course you're an oil company or a pharmaceutical company or or a prison guard union. And yeah, so the solution is obviously we have to be the solution. The laws are a part of the solution, but frankly, California, where I live. We passed the first law that allowed for medical use of cannabis back in 1996, almost 20 years ago. And since that time, more Californians have been arrested for that very same thing that they're supposed to be not arrested for than the last 40 years before it. So, hey Joe, Joe laws... on, that, on, that,
2: on that subject, early on in your life, you had a friend with brain cancer that exposed you to the power of medical cannabis. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I I started growing cannabis in 1982 um, for my own recreational purposes, or so I thought. And I began extracting cannabis in about 1989-90 for, again, my own recreational purposes, or so I thought. And then I actually met a woman who had four-stage cancer, and she was going through chemotherapy, and I gave her some of my tincture that I was making back then. it provided her relief and before, she lived probably much longer than she would have. But later on, a good friend of mine who actually taught me how to grow way back when ended up with brain cancer. And then I really had firsthand experience with, from the point of when he began to get sick all the way till he finally passed away, the value of cannabis as medicine. So I've, I've, I've been walking the walk, living this for almost 30 years now.
2: Now, Joe, you've seen this on both sides because you were busted yourself and prosecuted several times. In what ways did that change you, and did that experience experience spur you to start The Human Solution?
3: Yeah, it did. I started the collective after the real estate market collapsed, and I was sitting around going, well, geez, what am I going to do now? And you know, we had already passed the law for over 10 years, so I thought, well, I think everything's settled down. And I opened up a collective and and uh, thought I was going to be dealing with some percentage of sick people and some percentage of, you know, it, to me, if it just makes you feel good and helps you sleep, it's good medicine. So I don't need any justification. But then, of course, I found all the people that really came to my collective and it opened my eyes, you know, from everything from, you know, cancer to getting off of opiates. You know, they say it's the gateway, but it's actually the gateway out of hell rather than to it. Um, it's so and, true. and that was what got me to really get this in a way that I didn't before. But the f- second they put those handcuffs on me, and I can remember sitting in the back of that cop car for the first time, 42 years old, never been arrested before. And I'm sitting in the back of a cop car going, oh, shit, this wasn't supposed to happen. Well, something snapped. And while I was sitting in that holding cell for about 24 hours, and it was, I couldn't get out. The first time I was not free in my life. And I don't know, it just awoke something that said, I can't, this can't continue. I need to do something about it. And I haven't stopped (laughs) because that was about almost seven years ago. And going through my own trial, you know, I reached out to every place I could think of, thinking that somebody knew what to do and could help. And the answers I kept getting was, well, I thought you were legal," And nobody had an answer. Nobody offered, well, I can help you. So when I began to go to court, and I asked my lawyer, you know, what do I do aside from you defending me? He says, well, get supporters around you, get letters on your behalf, get people to testify. And he says, okay. And I took it seriously, and that's when I discovered court support and how valuable it could be. So not only did I, you know, get a lot of letters and had my witnesses wind up, but I had brought people into court with me. And I tell you what, kind of discover what happens inside a courtroom isn't what people think. It isn't what happens in the movies, it isn't what happens, you know, in the books. Court's very one-sided, and if you don't have somebody with you, it's daunting, it's going up against a, you know, a many-headed dragon that just has no end. But when there's everybody standing there with you, it changes, it changes the dynamic, it changes the energy. And in my case, I'd be serving a prison term right now if it wasn't for the supporters that were with me. So. That's actually, it was out of there being a vacuum in the movement or the whatever you want to call it, that I began to find out that there was actually other defendants too. And we just sort of started doing it. <laughs> and uh, that's ultimately what became The Human Solution.
2: I am talking to Joe Grumbine on Hempresent on Cannabis Radio. We're going to take a quick pause with the cause because there are flaws and laws and hear a message from one of our brave sponsors. We'll be right back with Joe Grumbine.
1: Time to roll out for the people that let us Hempresent. Hang loose. We're coming right back.
4: internetmarketingninjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled internet marketing ninjas disavowed documents reconsideration requests panda and paywin penalties let our superior seo ninjas confront all of your link related issues the internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise content creation authorship link building ppc and more plus build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy discover all that the internet marketing ninjas can do for you visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines well with four states with tax and regulate and the district of columbia the state of cannabis
1: To Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of Hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: And we are back on Hemp Presents on Cannabis Radio with Joe Grumbine, founder of the Human Solution International. Joe, gosh, you know, you're you're doing such great work, man. You're doing the missionary work of the movement, man. Can you talk quickly about jury nullification and jury veto?
3: I would love to. (laughs) That's actually the secret power that each of us possess as a citizen the United States of America, and any other jury system nations. And essentially, it boils down to this. If you get selected to be on a jury panel, you possess within you the same power that the governor of your state or the very president of the United States possesses. In fact, you have the power to veto a law with your one vote. And it's such that you have the right in fact, you have the obligation to judge both the law as well as the facts presented to you when you're sitting as a juror. And our founding fathers thought to it to do that by creating a jury of your peers. And this has been tested. It came out of William Penn and a religious case over in, the, in, in England. And it's carried over through prohibition times, through the Underground Railroad and Slavery Times to the civil rights. I mean, they've been tried and proven. In fact, in New Hampshire, they've even passed a law that allows the jury to be told of their right. However, every other state, you don't get to be told. In fact, attorneys will not talk about it for fear of being sanctioned. And so the trick is you got to get seated. And in order to get seated, you got to shut up you got to just shut up and say, yep, I agree to do what you say, knowing full well that you carry this card inside of you, and you don't have to lie to anybody because they're not going to tell you that you have this right, but you do have it. And I don't know if you heard about the case in Kansas back in July, but Kyler Carricker was charged with murder because of a law that they have in Kansas that says if there's an inherently dangerous substance present during an inherently dangerous act, that anybody connected to it, even secondhand, can be charged with the actual crime. Well, Kyler was involved in a drug deal that went well, went bad, and when I say a drug deal, I mean a pot deal, quarter pound of cannabis, and it turned out it was a robbery rather than a cannabis deal. And Kyler himself got shot. Well, because of this law, he was allowed, the DA was able to charge him with the murder of the guy that actually got killed. The law said he was guilty. Well, the family of Kyler called me up and said, you know, our only hope is jury nullification and, and we don't really, we want, we want to do this, right? That's our only hope. And I said, well, if you can make it happen, I can come up there and help you. So... We rallied, oh, some days we had 100 and some people out there, got the news involved, there was some good lawyering involved, and at the end of the day, Kyler was found not guilty by 12 people straight because of jury notification. And the foreman of the jury actually is going to come onto my podcast here in the next couple of weeks, and he's going to explain that it was because of us getting that message out there through our rallies and protests, And the news being out there covering it, that they knew that they not only could do this, but that they couldn't be punished for it. And so Kyler's a free man today because of jury nullification, and it's one of the most recent cases on the books.
2: Joe, one of the symbols commonly associated with your group is the green solidarity ribbon, which you also make into green ribbons on lapel pins. What is the solidarity ribbon about? Well,
3: before we became an organization, we held a fundraiser for my legal expenses. We called it the Freedom Fighters Fundraiser. And one of the people that was organizing this thought it was a good idea that we would all wear these green armbands. And we tore off a strip of green material and walked around with this armband, and we were all brothers in arms. But then when it came down to go to court, we said, you know, it would be great if we could walk into court with an item, it identified us all as being together, but something that couldn't be attacked by the prosecutor by saying we were trying to taint the jury with a message. And after a lot of discussion, we came up with the solidarity ribbon as a symbol that couldn't be denied because of, you know, all of the support our troops and the cancer and everything. Everybody would have a solidarity ribbon for everything. So we chose the green ribbon and then we thought about the Red Cross as a medical symbol, but also as kind of who we were. We were like first responders, you know, so we chose the medical cross to put on top of that as a symbol of that. It's a symbol of solidarity for us supporting anybody who's willing to stand up as a victim of the drug war, and it goes from defendants, their families, advocates, and of course, unfortunately, our POWs.
2: And and you've had to defend the green ribbon in court, right, and you've won?
3: Many times, many times.
2: We've, We've taken a few hits, but out of the prosecutors almost always object
3: to it being there and aside from a handful of times the judges always held up first amendment doesn't say anything it's not a message to the jury and we've won many many times yep
2: what other uh, court victories has human solution had
3: oh shoot our our victory list is long i would have a hard time going through it <laughs> all but my case in particular i was convicted and if it wasn't for all the people that were there at my trial We overturned that conviction on a motion because we had over a 100 people that were present submit declarations along with our motion. And when I went to be sentenced, the judge that found me guilty, and I say the judge that found me guilty because he tainted the jury, he actually recused himself at my sentencing and stepped down. And that's when the tide turned. And ultimately, about three years later, they dismissed the case. And when when the appellate court ruled that I, you know, got a new trial. So that was a huge victory. And it, it was only because of the support, because the lawyers were able to do their job. And, you know, the prosecution did everything they could to railroad me. We've had, geez, so many cases. I just, you know, all over the country, actually. We've had cases in Arizona. We've had cases where sentencing ended up being very lenient instead of there being prison time because of all the letters of support and the people that showed up. Uh, Stephen Maria Green in Michigan, that was another huge case. They had their kid taken away, A.D. Bree, and they ended up getting the kid back and the case getting dismissed because of a huge media campaign and just a large community support.
2: And the list just goes on. How many chapters are there of Human Solution and how can people find the one nearest them so they can get involved?
3: Well, right now we have over 40 chapters, but what we're doing this year is we're sort of shuffling things to make it easier for people to participate, and we're creating court support teams. The chapter's a little more involved, and we deal with POW outreach and education as well as court support, but we're setting up court support teams anywhere that there's a case that needs help, and basically we can be reached really easily. You can go to the website at THS intl.org, and we actually have a website number on there, but you know what, I'm going to give you my phone number because, frankly, I make myself available to anybody that needs it. My phone number is 951-436-6312, and we have a team that is here to help educate you. We can engage you as a volunteer, and you know what, here's my challenge to everybody. We have a new site that was donated to us, and it's called NoJailForPot.com. And all that site is is a simple declaration that says to the world, I support the notion that by December 25th, 2018, that there will be nobody locked up in jail for pot for any reason. And I know it's out there a little ways, but you know what? To me, it's a realistic declaration that I can stand by and say, it's a couple of years to get the world together, but you can press that button to make that declaration, and that's where everything starts. It starts with an idea. Take that idea, give it words, give it form, and watch what happens. Your world will change.
2: I am speaking with Joe Grumbine, founder of the Human Solution International, on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. We're going to take another quick break, come back with our last questions for Joe Grumbine. We'll be right back. Time to roll
1: out for the people that let us Hemp Present. Hang loose. We're coming right back.
0: Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends.
1: We're back to Hemp Present only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong Emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: We're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Joe Grumbine from the Human Solution International. Joe, uh, how optimistic are you that things are changing? Do you see an end to prohibition with recent events? Well, I do. It, this is a tough one, and... We've made a lot of changes. There's, I don't know, 23 states in
3: D.C. that have passed laws. But the problem that I see is that people believe that all they have to do is pass a law and then everything's good. What they don't yeah. see and the news doesn't cover is that after a law gets passed, people feel that they're safe. And then they begin to be lax about their operations and their and their activities. And law enforcement just comes along and keeps it up as a low-hanging fruit. I'm sure you've had conversations about asset forfeiture and the like oh, of that. And frankly, with the rate of over 97% of all cases being settled in plea deals, America is turning into a culture of felons. And it robs us of our ability to vote, sit on the jury, travel freely, possess firearms, any of these other freedoms that we might want, it's hobbling us. and. We go to events and we feel like everything's okay. And Seattle Hemp Fest is one of the events that I I fully support because it gives a voice to people to talk about the truth. And it's not just a bunch of people selling their stuff. It is that too, but its focus is on ending prohibition. It's not going to end until prohibition's over. And that's the key. No law is going to do that unless, of course, we reschedule it, which isn't anytime soon. So
2: as somebody here in washington state where we have you know quote legalized pot some people agree oh, with God. that term and some people don't i can tell you right now that that a lot of people think hey the job's over here and it's like folks when you win a war that's when you advance you don't retreat when you win a battle you want to retreat we haven't won the war man we got to we got to exactly. step this up joe i could it's talk to lot. you all day i could talk to you all day <laughs> your organization your acumen is so brilliant and so needed you know, you got one of the most important organizations in the reform movement right now. And so thank you so much for taking time out to be with me, Joe Grumbine, the Human Solution International. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. My time is up. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care, bro. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of him present on cannabisradio.com. And that's the quote of the week, and here it comes. Quote, In strict medical terms, marijuana is far safer than many foods we commonly consume. For example, eating 10 raw potatoes can result in a toxic response. By comparison, it is physically impossible to eat enough marijuana to induce death. Marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. By any measure of rational analysis, marijuana can be safely used within the supervised routine of medical care. And that is DEA administrative law Judge Francis Young who said that in 1988 and it still rings true today. That concludes this installment of him presented on Cannabis Radio. Put down that dab rig. I want you to grab a pen and paper because I want to hear from you email me at hempresent at gmail.com with suggestions comments questions or flames now get ready because i'll give you that email in a few seconds i also want to thank my beautiful peeps in the control room brasco and hannah my handsome sponsors my good-looking producers join me next week for some more cannabis confabulation with another hempy hero on a journey for justice because when it comes to prohibition you have the right not to remain silent activism requires a voice so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile chill them all and let ganja sort them out until then stay strong stand tall and talk it easy and don't forget to email me at himpercent at gmail.com turn up the music maestro I'm out marijuana